Welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode, we discuss a different topical safeguarding issue with a range of different guest speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. In this episode, we speak to the founders of the Safeguarding Company, Mike Glanville and Martin Baker, about their background in child protection and safeguarding and why they founded the company. Hello everyone, welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. My name's Georgia, I'm the content manager here at the Safeguarding Company. I'm really pleased today to be joined by the two founders of the company, Mike and Martin. Do you two want to introduce yourselves, please? Yes, hi everybody, my name's Mike, Mike Glanville, and I'm the uh, Chief Safeguarding Officer and one of the co-founders for, for the Safeguarding Company. Hi, yes everybody, I'm Martin Baker, I'm the CEO of the Safeguarding Company, and uh, again, one of the founders of the company. Perfect. I wanted to check in with you guys about your backgrounds, first of all, if that's all right. Mike, could we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, my background's in policing. So I was a, uh, in fact, at the start off back in the 1980s, I was actually a child protection officer for, for some time. Um, I spent most of my, my career working on CID and finally ended up as the assistant chief constable in Dorset. Uh, so I had quite a lot of responsibility for both adult and child safeguarding in that role. Um, I also sat on the local children's safeguarding board um, and throughout my career I've been involved quite a lot in child protection investigations and um, you know, either, either involved in the investigation or running the investigation as a senior investigating officer. So it's um, yeah, so quite a bit of experience um, you say that. Yeah, managing... <laughs> managing, um, you know, investigations involving, you know, safeguarding issues, particularly around children. So I suppose that's really informed me in terms of, you know, and helped, I suppose, hugely in terms of uh, the role that I'm carrying out now. You know, so quite a broad sort of range of experiences uh, in and around safeguarding and child protection. Yeah. Over to you, Martin. Well, like Mike, I am a recovering police officer. Um, <laughs> That's right. And uh, so uh, I uh, was in, served in five UK police forces in England and Wales uh, during my police service, uh, ultimately as Chief Constable of Dorset Police. But I was 13 years in the Metropolitan Police, predominantly in criminal investigation and quite a piece of that time in counterterrorism work. But then I worked uh, in the west of England, Hereford, Worcester, Shropshire, uh, I went across and worked in Wales, in Gwent Police, and I worked in Gloucestershire before finally uh, moving to uh, to Dorset as the Chief Constable. So, again, like Mike, throughout my career, I've been involved in a lot of child and adult safeguarding, um, but also in lots of associated areas such as domestic abuse uh, and, and, sadly, obviously at times, domestic homicide and various other uh, kind of crimes that really have, I guess, shaped me as well as uh, me being involved in investigating them over time. Um, uh, and I always uh, kind of felt when I was, uh, you know, in charge of a police force, going into a custody suite, and you actually saw all of the people that had been uh, arrested. During the course of my career, you talked to victims, you talked to witnesses, and the one thing they've all got in common is that they all went to school at some stage. Yes. I've been a, a school governor uh, and I, I'm a trustee in a multi-academy trust and have been for a number of years now. And Mike's involved in school governance too. And I think we both see 
how powerful a child's experience in education can be in shaping the rest of their lives. Uh, so I think that's probably what's brought us to this point in our careers today, uh, when back in 2014 we decided to found the Safeguarding Company uh, and to actually work full-time in the field. Wonderful. So how did the two of you actually meet? I've been here for over a year and I've never heard the story. Right. So Martin, actually, when he joined, when he came to Dorset as chief constable, I was the head of CRD at the time. So so we first came into contact then. In fact, I remember Martin coming along for the actual, uh, he, was, he, was doing some, he was doing some research for the interviews, actually. Uh, for the for the job, and uh, so I was that was the first time I came into contact with Martin, and we worked for quite a number of years then, because that was way back in two thousand and eight, was it two thousand seven, two thousand five? Wow, yeah. So there you go. So two thousand and five, um, and then eventually I became an assistant chief constable. And was obviously working on this, you know, working for Martin uh, in the in the senior leadership team within the force uh, at that time. So. Yeah, so we've worked together, you know, for quite a number of years. So before the safeguarding company and before my concern, I believe you two had a safeguarding consultancy called One Team? Well, uh, it, it wasn't directly safeguarding. Yeah, absolutely. When Mike and I were coming to the end of our policing careers, it was 2012. We were involved in a big security operation in Dorset around the Olympics uh, of 2012, around all the waterborne events. And uh, we actually had been through a really difficult time with austerity and, and money being taken out of policing. And we'd done an awful lot of work together around leadership development, around systems thinking. And we decided we want to continue to work together because, uh, you know, we'd really enjoyed doing what we did. Um, so we actually worked uh, with a number of private sector companies, set up our own consultancy, to try and uh, improve the way that they deliver a service to the police service, actually. Uh, because uh, if you understand your customer better, you're obviously going to give a better service. And for us, uh, that was really, really important. I mean, the one thing about the police is that there's nothing so X as an ex-police officer. So you would never, ever try and use your influence back in the police service. But the one thing we could do was to actually enable providers to the police service to deliver a better service to the customer because we could give them the customer's point of view, if you like. So we were working together doing that uh, and actually, truly found it quite frustrating. Why was that? Well, because we were developing kind of advice to the people we were working with who wouldn't always put it into action. Oh, it's like when you go and you have a personal trainer at the gym and they're like, eat better, exercise yeah. four days a week. And yeah. you're like, yeah, and then none of that happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we were developing all these ideas and strategies to, you know, to, to be better at uh, serving the community ultimately through the police force uh, and not getting the traction. And, of course, when you've come out of jobs where you can make things happen, mm. when you can't make things happen, that gets really frustrating after Incredibly a while. Incredibly frustrating, I'm sure. Uh, so we were kind of looking at each other thinking, Whoa, wow, this is uh, not quite what we thought it would be. Uh, and then one day, we were both at the time school governors, uh, and Mike went into the school where he was chair of governors and asked the head teacher that simple question, Helen, how do you record safeguarding concerns? That's where it started. I mean, that was back in, I think it was March, wasn't it, 2013? Um, 
so I've gone into the school to help out with a, with a safeguarding review, essentially. It was like a safeguarding, like a mini safeguarding audit at the time. So I was actually sat down with the head teacher. We were having a discussion about how they were handling safeguarding concerns. And, um, and as Martin said, asked that question, you know, how do you, how do you handle the actual concerns themselves? You know, where do, where do you record them? And with that, she pulled out a kind of drawer, and uh, in the drawer was this big red folder. Um, oh, no. And in the folder was a whole, a whole load of loose-leaf kind of documents and sticky yellow notes and all sorts of stuff. And, and it kind of, you know, you did, you kind of looked at it in horror, actually, because obviously coming from a background in the place where everything, literally everything was digitised, so, and very organised when it came to the handling of, of uh, quite sensitive information and this this was very sensitive you know information and um so that's i suppose where the idea where it all started and and we started to have conversations about you know how schools could improve that situation you know was there anything out there for them to be able to use to improve uh, the recording process and uh, we soon realized that actually quite a number of schools in fact the majority of schools were in the same situation you know most schools were at that point yeah were, were recording uh, concerns in that way um, and the, what was interesting at that time was that the we'd had the, the the Daniel Pelker case was just about you know the serious case review was just about to be published and we had the new Kixie keeping children safe in education guidance was also about to be published in September of 2013 um, and I mean thinking you know I was, I was just reflecting that you know back then I think that the original uh, Kixie uh, guidance was something like 37 pages or something. I mean, how long I mean, is now it now? It's about, it's about 167 or something like that. So it's, a, it's obviously, and that it, that tells you something. That tells you something about how safeguarding has moved on mm. you know, from 2013, 2014. That's where it started. It started with Martin and I then talking about, well, actually, how how do schools manage safeguarding? You know, what is the best approach to safeguarding, and what in terms of safeguarding practice within a school? We talked to a lot of safeguarding leads didn't we in schools about how they go about managing safeguarding and we turned that into a safeguarding model essentially uh, and, the, and the model kind of sets out eight foundational principles you know that um, schools should be working to in terms of you know um, a, a kind of reliable if you like practice um, uh, and we call it the strategic safeguarding model so that's kind of where it started it started with with that thinking you know before we ever even got to you know talking about and thinking about software it started off with the practice of safeguarding mm. and we did a lot of research didn't we as well you know talking to Massive. lots of experts uh, in the field um, and doing a lot of research on the on the legislation and the guidance and, and good practice uh, to get to the point where we felt confident that we could you know, do something then to support schools to improve their safeguarding. So that's that's where it started. Amazing. I know that there's a paragraph in the book you two wrote. I believe it's from Sue Bailey, who mentions the first time she saw my concern, first time she logged in and looked at it, and she wanted to cry for the relief that you understood what she was going through, having to safeguard over a multi-academy trust, I think she mentioned people leaving sticky notes on her desk with concerns, her having to record all this, try to keep paper files. It sounds like a nightmare. So it sounds like what you guys have done is honestly quite amazing. And you saw there was a need to support all organisations with safeguarding. 
So at that point, once you had the idea for it, how did you go into development? Well, I mean, we kind of worked out that there's a workflow here, there's a process here that if you can get people to follow it, uh, actually, wittingly or unwittingly, they're going to do the right thing if you can get them to the point of following a good process. Uh, uh, so we then started to think about software. Uh, and like you do, we were in a pub. Uh, <laughs> we're all great <laughs> ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having a conversation with a friend of ours, uh, and we were talking about this and the need to build some software, and people were giving us all kinds of ideas and options about how we might get that done. And it turned out that the, the, our friend's son worked uh, as a project manager in a software company in Talbot Green near Cardiff in South Wales. Um, and that's how we were introduced to our third co-founder, Daryl Morton, uh, because Daryl uh, was the owner of a software company that was building systems for British Airways, Associated British Ports, all kinds of the NHS. Uh, so we met Daryl uh, in May 2014. Uh, we formed the company in June 2014. Uh, we'd obviously done a lot of thinking about what the software needed to do. So his team sat down and interviewed us. It felt like interminably for about <laughs> two months about what about this, what about that, what if that happens and what... Uh, uh, and by September 2014, we had the first iteration of the software. Uh, and we trialled my concern in some schools uh, local to us uh, down in Dorset. And in January 2015, we took the product to market. Um, and it's been uh, an incredible journey ever since, really. Um, but that's how it happened. Can you explain the name? Why my concern? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Anybody that's ever kind of, uh, you know, been involved in branding uh, will know how difficult it is sometimes to come up with a name that, doesn't sound ridiculous or doesn't say what the product or service actually does. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of, you know, all aware of those things. So we actually spent some time with um, uh, uh, a branding uh, consultant, um, and that might sound very grand, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it was a guy from the business next door to Daryl Software Company, uh, who was a great, great guy and, and, and does great work. But we literally spent, you know, hours and hours thinking about what could we call this product. Um, and actually, my concern came up fairly early on. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that during the course of the day, you just kept circling back to it. And you kept coming back to it because it describes exactly what it is. I've got a concern. It's my concern and I need to report it. Equally, there was something about, no, it's your concern and you've got a duty to report it because it is your concern and you need to do something about it. So it was very personal in that sense, uh, a very human. And it's a phrase we all use yeah. uh, in general conversation every single day without thinking too much about it. And one of the things we came across in the early days as well with staff in schools was their reluctance sometimes to report concerns. And, and, 
And the reason for that is because they were worried about, you know, accusing somebody of something really serious, yeah. you know, without justification. And um, so I think the, the kind of name my concern kind of helps to kind of overcome that. You know, you don't have to kind of, this isn't about necessarily reporting something really serious. It's not an accusation, is no, it? No, it's yeah, not yeah. about exactly. My accusation. Yeah, it's not called my accusation or my allegation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to really worry about what this concern is in a way, you know, in the in the sense of trying to, you know, work out whether it's, you know, this form of abuse or that form of abuse or whatever. This is about you saying, you know, you, you've got some real concerns about this, this particular issue, this incident, this child or whatever. And um, the system's kind of enabling you to be able to report that, you know. And um, I think that's what we came to, wasn't it? Absolutely. Was that actually, that you know, perfectly really describes, we think, the mindset or, or the, the, the mindset of individuals that um, when they're reporting concerns, you know. You know, uh, it, this incident, this situation is making me feel uncomfortable. I've got a concern about it. And it was as simple as that, you know. It's not, it doesn't have to be, oh, yes, I, this is definitely a serious situation and I've definitely got... No, I'm concerned about it. This yeah, is making right. me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And giving people permission to share that concern. Or, I was just going to yeah. say, it almost feels quite empowering for mm, those staff yeah. members to go, I have a concern yeah. and I'm allowed to report it. It's mm, better right. for me to tell someone to have it written down on the system where people can view it, where everyone understands it, and not like, oh, I'm being silly, I'm overreacting. It might not be anything. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It yeah. was... Because it was such a personal thing, my concern, and I'm allowed to have a concern, actually, yeah. uh, uh, and I'm allowed to report it, and I'm allowed, uh, you know, to be taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it was very, very personal, was it? So, yeah, it, we put a lot of work into coming up with a blindingly obvious first yeah. thing that we came <laughs> up with. Yeah. It's always the yeah, obvious yeah, that's right, exactly, yeah. yeah. I think the other good thing about the name as well is we always talk about safeguarding being the responsibility of everyone in the organisation. Mm. And the name of the product allows them to go, oh, I do have a concern and it is my job, even though I might not be the lead safeguarding person, I might not mm. be the safeguarding lead safeguarding person, I still need to report mm. the things mm. I'm concerned about. So I think that message comes across quite nicely. Yeah, it does. And it's really important. I mean, if you're a lunchtime supervisor in a school and I've got a concern, then I'm entitled for that concern to be taken seriously. Yes. And I want to report it and I don't want to feel that nobody's going to be listening. They don't want to hear from me. They want life to be you know, yeah. calm and <laughs> not have any ripples in the road. No, I've got a concern and I yeah. want to tell you about it. Yeah, it's really important. And that was, that was the other thing that we came across as well in those early days as well, was the, you know, one of the first things I think Safeguarding Leads used to say to us, if you're going to develop anything, you're going to introduce a system in schools, make sure it's easy for easy, staff simple, to be able secure, to access yeah. and use. And that was a really good yeah. piece of advice. Yeah. Um, and you know, absolutely essential. So that kind of goes alongside the, the kind of the branding as well yeah. as the name of the actual product is that sense that, you know, yeah, this is available to everybody, it should be available to everybody, and it's easy to access and it's easy to easy to use because, you know, the, the essential thing about, obviously, child protection, safeguarding and child protection, is that, you know, you're in a position to identify those, those concerns. Um, so the reporting element of that is critical. Amazing. It's good how it all links together. While we're talking about branding and renaming, we should also probably talk about how the company has recently been renamed. So I think September 2021, we yeah. became the safeguarding company. Well, well, this again is a glimpse of the blindingly obvious. Um, because Mike and I ha had, a, a, as we said earlier, a consultancy company called One Team Advisory. 
uh, and our other co-founder, Daryl, had a software company called Logic Software. Mm -hmm. So like all good founders, we just smashed the two names of the companies together and called it One Team Logic. But then we thought that doesn't explain to anybody what we do. So we then, about a year later, put a strap line underneath it that said One Team Logic, the safeguarding company, because we had to explain what One Team Logic was. Yeah. So again, we worked with some branding guys uh, who, you know, eventually brought us to the blindingly obvious solution that we should just <laughs> call ourselves the safeguarding company because that's what we do. Uh, and it took us uh, from, well, seven years, yeah. uh, but we got there in the <laughs> got end. Got there at the end, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it feels like a release, really. We've been emancipated because yes. people now know what we do and we could talk about it, uh, you know, uh, without having to explain don't have to explain it, it do you? There is nothing to explain. We work for the safeguarding company. Exactly. That's right. it. And that's what we do. <laughs> Perfect. I feel like we've come full circle. So thank you so much for joining me here today. Great. Thanks, Thanks great so much, Georgia. Thanks, Georgia. Thank you for listening to the Safeguarding Podcast. For resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions, please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com.